trending news right now. Before trending, just on the poll question, then Mavetana in Queenstown saying good morning, Asanda. On your poll question, I would never agree to be taken to an old age home. They'd rather hire someone to take care of me at home. All right, you can uh, send your views then. And as I say, as we go through the show, we'll read them. Trending news then with Mpumelelo Mashifani now, social media commentator and publisher of 013 News, our time being just a minute before four. How are you this morning, Pumelelo? I'm great in you, Asanda. Good, thank you very much. How was the weekend? Uh, it was quite restful, um, but yeah, quite nice. I uh, quite busy as well. Uh-huh. I was busy editing my book that I've edited. Ah, that's awesome. So I, I finished that uh, on Saturday. I sent it through to the publishers. Um, yeah, so that was uh, quite a milestone for me. Wow, that's great. I'm so happy with that. And uh, yeah, can't wait uh, for more from you. I'm sure it's just the beginning. It was Father's Day also yesterday. Was it a busy one for you? Yes, uh, it was quite a nice one for me. The little minions made me some cupcakes and a <laughs> couple of cheese for breakfast. So sweet. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was quite a nice day. Actually, spent the whole day with them. Uh, it's just the three of us, uh, and uh, yeah, it was quite nice. That's so that is really really sweet. But also, I mean, I think it's also a day of appreciation, right? Not just the gifting and the cooking, but to remind you, the father, of the role that you play. So uh, let's talk about what the conversations were on on Twitter. Well, on, on, on Twitter, quite a lot of appreciation going out, but um, also a lot of tongue-in-cheek uh, messages about the, the, the gifts that uh, fathers are receiving. Um, you know, I saw one post uh, uh, sharing a roasted chicken, nice roasted chicken with veggies. Mm-hmm. I was saying Mother's Day and showed Maudana on a bride stand and said, ah, Father's Day. And I suppose, you know, um, <laughs> fathers... It just goes to show, you know, um, the fathers are are uh, sort of uh, always the last to be remembered, you know, in the sacrifices um, and so and so on. But um, a lot of positive messages coming through. A lot of people posting, uh, you know, pictures uh, of them and their children, pictures of gifts that they received. Um, in the messaging that I I saw, Asanda, mm-hmm. I, I noticed something that I that felt somewhat of a discomfort for me. Mm-hmm. You know, Mother's Day messages are always um, Happy Mother's Day, um, but Father's Day messages seem to be qualified all the time. It's always, uh, you know, to the deserving fathers, to the fathers that this and this and that. Um, and you know, I know through my personal journey uh, of being a father that. Uh, uh, sometimes you can't be there or many other fathers aren't, aren't there for their children, not out of their own will, um, but because of, of circumstances. You know, I don't want to be controversial, uh, but, you know, uh, sometimes circumstances that are created uh, by mothers. Um, uh, yes. But it's always uh, it's always interesting to see how Father's Day messages are always sort of quantified no, but we do need to t- uh, talk about all these issues because there are uh, problems 
that are plaguing our society and even, you know, on the one hand, fatherlessness that we speak about uh, sometimes and also on the other hand, as you say, some moms or uh, some couples who go separate ways and then that ends up having a ripple effect that is negative on the children in terms of how they decide to co-parent or not co-parent after that. So those are important messages. And I think I even saw on social media as well, people saying, please, single moms, don't take this platform and make it yours and say that you are also a father. Um, what do you think about that? Single mothers who take this day also as theirs. Yeah, that message uh, definitely came through across the social media uh, platforms. I saw a couple of those on my WhatsApp statuses, people saying, uh, single mothers, please give us a break. Uh, because I, I, I think you, you've had this time where people were always um, uh, saying, well, uh, happy Father's Day to me because I'm a single mother and I have to be a mother and a father. And um, it seems uh, the Twitterati or the social media can um, uh, be very resilient uh, or, so, or sort of very resistant uh, to that. Uh, and saying, please, ladies, uh, just let fathers enjoy their day. Uh, on, with peace. Do you think, though, Father's Day will be that day that we need to have these conversations or we need to just be in celebratory mode there and uh, have the conversations on another day? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the broader societal challenges that we have require us to be addressing these kind of problems on an ongoing basis. We know that our country has a very grim history of um, a system that uh, deliberately broke up black families, you know, the migrant labor system, and um, acknowledging that nothing has been done post the attainment of, of human rights and, and democracy to sort of, you know, negate the impact of that. Uh, so life has sort of gone on um, just as it would, uh, but with all the vices that are created uh, by that system and which have morphed over time. Uh, to the kind of society that we see today and the kind of family structures that we see today. And I think um, that's a conversation that we should be having on an ongoing basis about how do we change that situation? Mm. How do we build uh, the black family? Um, and I think it's not a conversation we should be having on Father's Day. I think it should be happening on every other platform that we have available. Uh, but I think Father's Day should be um, a day to celebrate fathers. You know, regardless. Absolutely. Did you know of anybody who got socks? I was warning against that as a gift on Friday. I don't know <laughs> if you know of anybody who actually did receive socks because we need to stop giving socks now. Well, my dad got slippers. Um, okay. So, uh, I think it's just a much up from the socks, you know. Um, and, and I've got a winter gown. Uh, yes. So, no. I don't know anybody who got socks uh, this year. <laughs> Maybe some of our family members will let us know on our SMS or WhatsApp <laughs> that they actually did receive that. But I mean, I guess it's a gift. But yeah, I, I don't think I would like that as a father. I'm done with socks. Let's talk uh, something a bit more serious. The Johannesburg CBD, uh, it's trending because of an increase in crime levels and that have been happening openly as well. Criminals are facing no consequences, but... We are seeing the crime being committed. Even crime stats released showing this. Yeah, um, uh, there's a video that uh, I think started the trend uh, late on Saturday, and the trend has gone on to still last night, it was still trending. 
um, you know, of of um, a group of people seems to be a modus operandi now for you to be attacked by six, seven guys in broad daylight, um, and they sort of cling your neck with something. One creeps up from behind you, and they cling your neck, and while the others hold your hands and basically decapitate you, and while two of them uh, basically take everything uh, from you. Um, a lot of people um, saying, but why do people look away when this is happening? Why do people choose to turn the other way when they see this happening? Um, what kind of society are we becoming that we are being literally terrorized on our own streets? Um, mm. uh, not to be xenophobic, a lot of um, the, the messaging that was on Twitter referring to a gang of Zimbabwean um, uh, guys that uh, are known to be ransacking downtown Johannesburg, even at popular eateries like uh, the McDonald's and Gandhi Square, um, where there's even signage. Somebody was saying there's signage to say, don't put your valuables on the table because these guys seem to just walk in and grab anything and run out. And it's, and it's sort of known that nobody's doing anything about it. Uh, but, you know, um, that trend, coupled with the crime statistics that were released last week uh, of Gauteng, showing a 42% increase mm. um, in, in the murder rate in Gauteng in the first three months of the year, Asanda, I think this is shocking. And yeah. when I heard this, uh, you know, it, it gripped me so much that I posted it on my WhatsApp status and said, 1,493 deaths uh, or murders in three months. I mean, that's exorbitant. That's more than a war zone. I don't think yeah. as much people are, are dying in Syria or in Yemen uh, uh, right now um, as opposed to South Africa. Um, and particularly, uh, a majority of those deaths, um, the, the, the police saying happening in and around the Johannesburg CBD or policy, Johannesburg Police Precinct. Um, so I think I think uh, South Africa is is at a very tough junction right now when it comes to the issue of crime. We've seen it spiraling out of control, and I think uh, you know with everything that's happening, um, you know, with global global economy, our domestic economy, you know, so many people being out of jobs, Asanda, so many mm. people just you know scouring the bottom line just to survive. Uh, I think uh, we were sitting on a ticking time bomb. We'll continue on that topic because we need to take a short break. And uh, just uh, in our conversation, looking at what's happened in the world of social media for the last 72 hours, looking at the entire weekend with Mpumelelo Mashifane, social commentator and publisher of 013 News. Stay with us. Trending news right now. 11 minutes past four is our time. We continue then on that uh, trending news topic. Uh, well, now we're talking Je- uh, Johannesburg CBD and uh, increasing crime levels there. Pumelelo, I mean, you uh, were giving us the figures. I mean, there's an increased murder cases of 45.2% only between January and March. It is definitely very shocking. When we look at the reasons cited as the crime states were released by Gauteng Police Commissioner Elias Mawela, the the reasons that Mawela was citing was the lifting of COVID lockdown, community riots, as in terms of you know what is attributing to these figures, at these shocking figures that we're seeing, community riots, opening of liquor stores for extended hours. Are these reasons not? I mean, the after the fact type of reasons, after an underlying issue, because I feel like these are just on the surface. Something else cannot be you know 
uh, ignored here in terms of where does it all begin? What is the base of all of this? It can't be just lifting of COVID lockdown, community riots and opening of liquor stores for extended hours that are contributing to murders. Yeah, uh, personally, I don't, I don't see those reasons as sufficing, um, Asanda, uh, because we we know the reality on the ground is that uh, the lockdown was lifted some time ago, you know, and people stopped complying with it at a ground level, you know. Um, I don't think the, the the official lifting of the state of disaster would have been precipitated the sudden upsurge um, in, in in the murder rate. Um, equally, liquor stores being opened, they have been open for a while, but um, nothing justifies an almost 50% increase in, in people getting gunned down and people getting stabbed um, and killed. And I don't know how community riots contributed to that number. Hmm. Um, I, I've not seen uh, people being killed uh, at community riots except for the one or two xenophobia incidents that we had, uh, of which I think only two people were reported to have died in deep slot and so forth. So even if we had riots in Khartoum, say, take anecdotally a number of five, uh, where two people were killed, it could still be only 10 people. Uh, and therefore, nothing justifies the 700 people that died this year compared to last year, mm. um, you know, when the number was, was, was almost just under 800 uh, people who died in the same period, reporting period last year. So I, I, I don't quite see how the reasons being given um, are, are true to the fact. Two things that were, you know, sort of done in, in terms of implementations on how to curb this issue. The two, the two things, have they become fruitless? The one being cameras installed looking into the streets of Johannesburg CBD. And the second one, that Operation Buyam Teto that was launched just in January, where about 1,800 Metro Police were deployed. Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, the videos that uh, we're seeing surface on, on social media are as a result of those interventions. Cameras, yes, are there. But what we're seeing is that uh, the state of disaster still requires us to, or, or the state of the pandemic uh, still requires us to wear masks. And uh, criminals take advantage of that. If you look at mm. uh, the, the camera footage, you can't see who the people are because they're all wearing masks. Um, and so I don't know how far uh, that is helping. I know that they've got a very integrated uh, security plan that involves these cameras in the Johannesburg CBD where they've got a live control room that's looking at uh, what is happening in the streets and deploying uh, JMPD officers who are on foot in the CBD or on bicycles. Uh, but I don't know to what effect that has had an impact on reducing the crime rate in Johannesburg CBD. Um, the, 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 the extra men deployed, um, perhaps we're still to see, perhaps in the next reporting period of uh, April to June, we'll see the effect of, those, um, of that deployment of 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 um, a thousand boots on the ground, uh, so to speak. But um, I don't I don't think the interventions as yet have helped. And I think there needs to be a greater, a more sophisticated intervention into dealing with the what we might call petty crime uh, of people being robbed of their cell phones and wallet. Uh, but you know sometimes uh, it happens that these people are also killed. 
uh, while while being robbed mm. with some of the resist and and perhaps one of the guys has got a knife and 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 stabs them and and what you see um after the whole incident has taken place 20 seconds later the victim is lying on the ground and he's not getting up and only two minutes later people start rushing to say it looks like this person is fatally injured or something so um i think uh there needs to be greater intervention higher police visibility i think uh, we need to have, you know, a target of maybe placing a police officer at every street corner in Johannesburg if we do have that amount of number, uh, like we see a thousand more JNPD officers being deployed into the streets. I think they need to have a more coherent plan of how they are policing the entire district, uh, as well as intelligence stream um, operations coupled with that in order to, to be able to avert uh, some of the, the, the crimes that we're seeing because we can say it's a petty crime to be robbed at your cell phone, but at the rate it's going, uh, you're more likely to lose even your life mm. uh, because of, of that cell phone. In both dialect, that is, it's not even dangerous at night. It's dangerous at, it's dangerous at 11 o'clock in the morning, Asanda. No, it is shocking. And imagine dying because over a cell phone. It's just something that should not be happening. Let's talk uh, an auction now, which was held at the president's uh, uh, Palapala Fab, President Cyril Ramaphosa, over the weekend, with uh, one of the cows going for over 1 million, 1.65 million. Uh, the Ankole breed of cattle is what was being sold there. Yeah, um, a very controversial place uh, to find itself in the news again so shortly after uh, the last story. But yeah, journalists swarming uh, up to Bella Bella this, this weekend on Saturday morning trying to get a glimpse. Uh, many of them were trying to see if they can attend the auction and, and, and see what actually goes on into the auction because I think a lot of the issues that have been raised about the Palapala farm with the taking of cash at auctions, uh, which the president alluded to when he confirmed that his farm had indeed been burgled and money stolen. Mm. Uh, but uh, journalists uh, finding themselves uh, outside the gate, I thought they're not being allowed to go inside and attend the auction or report from inside the farm. In fact, uh, very early on at around uh, half past nine to ten, journalists reporting that the signal has been blocked uh, all the way around uh, the Palapala farm and they had to drive out about a kilometer or so in order to get cell phone reception and be able to file their stories. Mm. Um, of course, uh, the Ankoli Breeders Association hosting that uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa is the foremost breeder of Ankoli cattle in South Africa. And the story goes that uh, he, he, he encountered these cattle when he went to Uganda some 20 years ago, in the early 2000s. And um, he was uh, very bemused by these cows, and he, he fell in love with them, so much so that he came back to South Africa and gathered a group of scientists and uh, genealogists and uh, veterinary experts um, to go back to Uganda with him and to um, create a breed of these cattle that would be able to survive in the South African climate because mm. in their natural state, they do not live in the habitat as, such as we have in terms of climatic conditions. 
and 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 she then uh, brought these cows over and started breeding them, and so uh, he's 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 branched out the business. There's a, a number of other Ancoli uh, breeders now, but he remains uh, quite the foremost breeder of these special, uh, what we call sometimes ngun cows. Mm. Uh, you know, um, and uh, these these cows are very special. They they have. Uh, uh, an amazing skin, t- uh, sorry, uh, skin texture. Uh, the the their the skins come in a variety of colors, and of course the iconic horns uh, that that distinguish them amongst other breeds of cows. But yeah, another auction took place at another one of uh, uh, the president's farms here in Bumalanga, okay. called in Dabanyoni in the Patlas area um, uh, last month, where uh, it was reported that. Uh, uh, Patrice Monsipa paid four, 4.65 million rand for um, some Ancoli cars that he bought from the president. Uh, interestingly enough, on that note, Asanda, mm-hmm. there is a a leader of a civic movement called Really Democracy that has opened a case against uh, Cyril Ramaphosa and uh, uh, Patrice Monsipa. Uh, and he, he says uh, that auction that took place in Batlas at the president's other farm um, was uh, a suspected uh, money laundering and racketeering, and he's asking the police to investigate because he says if you look at the, the price of these cows, uh, there's no way that somebody can pay uh, two million rand for a cow, 1.6 million rand, um, and therefore he suggests that uh, uh, these these activities could be used to launder money. Uh, but I think that's an interesting side note uh, that came out. Um, sort of on the same day that the other Ancoli um, auction was taking place in, in, in Palapala. But, uh, of course, the highlight of uh, the president's auction, um, two bulls being sold for $1.65 million and $1 million each, uh, and uh, a number of other. Of course, one of the president's own cattle, um, the highest fetching of the president's cattle, was sold for about 540000 rand. But, I mean, bulls were uh, sold. Bulls are expensive, and also depending on the breed of cattle that it is, some are very prized possessions. So 1.65 million is something you would expect to buy or pay for a bull. I mean, there are even other breeds like the Simmentaler who have recorded 3 million for a bull. So I don't know that we can say that, you know, this figure is it doesn't make sense. But, I mean, the entire auction... I mean, in terms of the you know comments from the uh, uh, the gentleman you speak of, the entire auction fetched plus minus twenty one million rand, and you do say that it was hosted by the Ancole Breeders Society of South Africa. Were all the cattle belonging then to the president? No, absolutely not. Um, the there are now a number of Ancole breeders. I think about sixty in the country, and a number of them had uh, their lots at the president's auction. I think the president's farm was a place. Uh, where they hold the auction, and I think that's a venue. Um, yeah, like a venue, and I think because the president's farms uh, sometimes have some other infrastructure, uh, you know, that allows other buyers to be able to come in uh, through uh, flights, uh, you know, and, and and land on the property to helicopters, and I think so. They, they are, and because he's such a prominent uh, member of the Ancoli Breeders Association, I think one of the founding members, um, yeah, they are hosted on, on, on his farms, but the lots on there, he 
doesn't own all the lots. So he would own, I think there were about 600 lots, and out of them, he only owned uh, less than 50. So 50 cows out of the 600 that were on auction were his. Okay. What do you make of the reports that you're saying media was barred from attendance? Was it a safety thing for you, maybe, or is there, is there more to that? Because, I mean, there are commercial farmers there who show up at auction, uh, some with cash, and these are multimillionaire farmers. So was it a safety or just a, another, you know, a gagging order, so so to speak, on journalists? Your thoughts on that one? I think it was a gagging order because previously the allowed media into these auctions. I mean, um, I've reported on these auctions. I uh, love before Palapala uh, became a, a thing of the news. Um, you know, at one point, I, I, I remember reporting there was a bull called Jamison mm-hmm. uh, that was well, that was sold for quite a large amount of money. I think what 1.5 million, but this was not an Ancoli. It was a normal uh, Bonsmire bull. Um, and and they've allowed the media in the past. I honestly don't know why the media would have been barred because as an auction, there would have been cow breeders, there could have been people who are potential buyers. Uh, and by that nature, the auction would be sort of a public event of some sort. Um, and I think uh, it was somewhat out of their taste um, uh, and, and, and advice. You know, I think if it was me... Um, being the president and all the publicity around the farm, you know, allowing the media in so that people can have visuals of what happens at these, because there's a lot of speculation around these auctions. Why do people pay in dollars? Why do mm. people pay in cash? Uh, because of the president's own admittance that uh, the money that was stolen at his house was from was the proceeds of games sold. And so I think it would have been an exercise in good faith for the president to to allow the media to, to be able to report from inside the, the, the auction and, and, and give South Africans a visual sense of what goes on. All right, let's talk hashtag uh, Tabumpege, our second president after democracy, turning 80 years old over the weekend on Saturday. And there was a nice party they held in Senton. Yeah, um... Former President Tabumbeke celebrating his Oak Jubilee, is what uh, President Sir Ramaphosa called it. I didn't know that 80 is an, an Oak Jubilee. I know 70, 75 is a Diamond Jubilee or so, mm-hmm. so forth, but I honestly never knew that um, when when you turn 80 or the year 80 marks an Oak Jubilee, and therefore that symbolizes um, the, the stature and the stern structure of an Oak tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, as President Sir Ramaphosa said in his recorded message to former President Tabombegi. But indeed, uh, I find uh, that uh, uh, classy ceremony uh, being held at the Centrum International Convention Center, attended by dignitaries and high-profile people, including uh, former President uh, Halema Mokrante, to celebrate uh, uh, the former statement's 80th birthday and wish him well, um, you know, and... Uh, there were a lot of speeches that were said, you know, for us as journalists, we always want such events because they give us a glimpse of history that sometimes is not written in books. Uh, mm-hmm. Anecdotal stories of, of, of the life of a person uh, or experiences uh, of them touching people's lives or impacting on society through their actions. And I think this was, this was the 
common thread that went through uh, the whole evening Asanka. All right. And then in terms of, I mean, some of the things that were said, uh, President Ramaphosa praising him uh, at Tabumpeki as one of the continent's revered leaders. Uh, in terms of the continent's representation there at the party, what did we see? Um, there were a number of dignitaries from the African continent, uh, you know, scholars, uh, the former ambassador of Tanzania uh, was there, sorry, the ambassador of Tanzania was there, um, you know, and um, another professor, I should forget his name now, who hosted a dialogue with him uh, that was facilitated by the SABC. I think it's Professor, oh, the name escapes me now, <laughs> and I was looking at it just now. Uh, but uh, there were a lot of African scholars, um, a lot of his, um, you know, legacy embedded on the African continent, him being the father of the African Renaissance uh, project, him being the father of a number of, uh, of mechanisms that were designed through his tenure to facilitate the unification of Africa, to facilitate... Uh, you know, the, 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 the knocking down of, of the borders that separate uh, countries and create red tape in between the countries. Uh-huh. And, and, and that's definitely coming through uh, in a lot of the, the speeches uh, that came. I think one of the, the anecdotes that, that, that came, which is very heartwarming, was uh, when she described how it came about that uh, South Africa uh, built the the, the 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 library in Mali that contained uh, ancient manuscripts of African civilization and so forth. And his influence uh, to for that to happen came from an SABC cameraman, uh, you know. And I think that painting a picture of of really how much of a person uh, he he was who would listen to the ordinary people. Uh, we know that much of his, his tenure in, in, in government uh, or as leader of the country was characterized by him being turned uh, aloof. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think that was one uh, typical example where, you know, he walked into a place uh, and the cameraman said, but President, you have to do something about it. And he did do something about it. Uh, you know, um, that, that, that gives you an idea of, of sort of the kind of man that he is. All right. Well, uh, symbolism to the oak tree. I love that, or the metaphor to that. And uh, I think that, I, I, I think it fits uh, our former president, Tabombegi. Uh, let's leave it on that note today, uh, Pumelelo. Thank you so much. And the plans for the week? Uh, plans for the week? Uh, I'm going back to the newspaper. Uh, since I've taken a bit of a sabbatical uh, yeah. while I'm editing the book, so I'm back in the newsroom. Uh, this week, and uh, we're looking at trending stories uh, that are going to be coming out of Mpumalang. A number of things, uh, of course, uh, Minister of of Justice, Ronald Lamula, kicking off his deputy presidential campaign right here in his home province. Uh, The past two weeks, I've seen him hosting events in the Eshanzele region and addressing memorial lectures uh, in the kickoff to his his uh, deputy presidential ambition. Uh, a case goes into court where the, the MEC of Safety and Security is accused of taking bribes in exchange for 
a 2 billion rand security tender, and that involves the provincial leader of the EFF here in Bumalang. It's an interesting story that's going to be developing. Uh, and, um, yeah, so okay. we, we, we're looking at uh, the week ahead of great enthusiasm and anticipation. All right. Well, thank you for starting the week with us and uh, for our chat this morning. You must have a great one. You too, Asa. And to the listeners at home, uh, a great week ahead. Pumelelo Mashifane is social commentator and publisher of 013 News, joining us in our trending topics.